Good evening, creepsters, and welcome back to Bohemian Dolls Unsolved Mysteries. Tonight is such a special episode because I get to interview my baby sister, Jasmine Graham. My sister just released her first book, and the name of this episode is called The Blackout by Jasmine Graham. Episode 23, Creepsters. Jasmine Dominique Graham is a black artist influenced by color and nature and a native of Detroit, Michigan. She's a broadcast journalist by trade and an artist by heart. She blends the two together to express impactful narratives through photography, writing, painting, and mixed media. She has a unique ability to convey emotion through art in a way that is universal. So with further ado, Creepsters, let's welcome my baby sister, Jasmine. Well, hey, Creepsters. <laughs> um, first, I would just like to thank you, sis, for having me on your podcast. I feel so honored to be a part of this legacy that you are building. And thank you for just allowing me to be able to share this story with your audience. I wrote a book. Uh, actually a novella recently called The Blackout and I would consider myself to be an artist and I use the mediums of writing and photography and mixed media and honestly whatever is calling to me at the time to share impactful stories that mimic and give information about the times that we are living in and this book is so beautiful guys it's such an easy read and it's called a novella jazz mm -hmm, so a it, novella so it's not considered a what is it considered a novel or is it so, shorter a, than novel? A, it's a novella is kind of like a subcategory it mm -hmm. um is recent so it would kind of be considered like a niche okay. and it's in between a short story and a novel so it's not as short as a short story but it's not as long as a novel so it just kind of falls in that nice little pocket there right it's such an easy read it literally took me maybe an hour to read how many pages yeah. is it it's 90 pages yeah it and it's not just an easy read because it's 90 pages but it's such a good story that you you want more like I want like a part two to it mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was so good and it's so visual and Jazz is so creative with her words and the way she words things throughout the book little backstory on how you decided to write the book Blackout tell the creepsters how it came about it's such a creative story and it's so current with the issues that we are dealing with today yeah as far yeah. as being black in America and actually all around the world so tell us mm -hmm. the backstory of how you this book even came about like what was the process mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Well, um, like I said earlier, I am a writer, um, but I am a broadcast journalist by trade. That's what I have my degree in. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to this workshop for writers of color at this place called The Room Project. Ooh. And The Room Project is a writing collective that is only for women and non-binary women and um, people who identify as women. So it's a collective for that and they had a fellowship going on and so you had to write a prompt for the fellowship and I wrote a story about a little black girl and I turned that in and even I didn't get the fellowship but because I didn't get the fellowship and they really liked my story and they wanted me to continue on with it they offered me a sponsorship so with that I got um, a couple of months for free at the writing fellowship i mean the writing collective and then i also got like half off on all of their classes wow and they really wanted me to take the novella class so i was like okay great because that was a class i wanted to take anyway if i was going to get the the fellowship mm -hmm. so we start the class begins in the beginning of january and 
in the class, we have to read, um, I think it was two short stories every week. Mm-hmm. And then we would come together and we would discuss. And like for the first month, she allowed us to just kind of like get our feet wet, learn what a novella is, like figure out what we're going to be writing about. And I knew that I did not want to continue on with the story that I originally submitted. Mm-hmm. So by this time, she was like, okay, guys, like, I'm going to start nearing down and you have to have your story idea together by next week. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to write about? What am I going to write about? I don't know. I don't know. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. So whenever I'm feeling really creatively overwhelmed, I go and I watch like YouTube videos Mm -hmm. of like James Baldwin speaking or Toni Morrison speaking or Maya Angelou, you know, like the greats. Yeah. And there's this one video I came across and Toni Morrison was saying how when she was writing, she noticed how when like the My Black is Beautiful came about and everyone started saying that all the time. Mm-hmm. She was very confused because she was like, why are you telling me that My Black is Beautiful? Like, I know My Black is Beautiful. You're not talking to me. You're talking to those other people out there, i.e. white people, who don't think that your Black is Beautiful. Right. When I am making my art, right, you know? She's like, when I'm making my art, I'm making it for Black people. And that's it. So I was like, okay, that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I I always write from the perspective of myself or women I've known, and I've never written from the perspective of a man. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to write to the black males. Wow. Then while I was in the shower, I was just like thinking like, okay, but like, what am I trying to say to them? Like, what is it? And I was thinking like, okay, a blackout. What's going to happen in the blackout? And then I was in the shower and that idea just like downloaded into my head that a boy was going to get shot by the police and then he was going to be transported to this utopia. And in my mind, I was imagining it as like a Wakanda situation. And that was after we picked up picked our topics and like oh we started writing like the first couple pages Mm -hmm. that's right when George Floyd was killed and like all of the unarmed black men started to be killed like every other day and then it was Beyond Taylor and then it was this and then it was that and I was like okay like I'm supposed to be writing this for a reason. Because at first I was thinking like, okay, is this going to be too dated? Has there been already too many stories about, you know, black people being armed down by the police? But clearly not. Because a couple of weeks later, it happened again and again and again and again. Like back to back. I mean, it's been happening throughout the years, like every single year. But for some reason, this past summer, actually since COVID Mm -hmm. started, because not just with um the george floyd and all the rest of the men that were killed but the brianna taylor and like it Mm -hmm. was just it was like really insane and then on top of it 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 was even more of a sensation because we were all inside Mm -hmm. in a house so we had nothing to do but watch the media and watch what they spewed at us so I feel like that's why these particular situations were even more impactful and more people were alert because we had no choice but to tune into it, you know? Yeah, it was a lot, but we made it through and we're going to continue to make it through as a people. Exactly. Can you give us a general description of what the blackout is about without giving too much detail because the creepsters are going to go out and support my sister's book. So go ahead, Jazz. Yeah. So, um, I would say that the blackout is about a young black man um, who there is a blackout in the city that he lives in. Mm-hmm. And due to that, he a major event happens and his body is, and spirit is transported to a black utopia where everything is in favor of, made for, and catered to black people. And his dilemma is he has to decide on if he's going to stay in this black utopia where he is a king 
I go back to a world where black people can be mistreated, brown people can be mistreated, any person who is other can be mistreated with little to no consequences. The visuals, like the way she writes and describes this black utopia is just amazing. Like you would never mm -hmm. want to leave. It's such a magical place. And it reminds me of, remember when you came to visit and I was um, telling you about that show called The Lovecraft Country? Oh yes, I watched it. Oh my gosh, that's what your book reminds me of. Yes. Did you, you yes. did you binge watch the whole season? I binge watched like the first couple episodes and then I started watching it with someone. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like slow down. But that Afrofuturism is that, your like, is your utopia, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely. I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what jazz was describing like that's the like it's just like the lovecraft and your book came out before this show even came out yeah it's it's wild like that um the first time i i read like a uh afrofuturism book was by um octavia octavia butler mm -hmm. and she was like the first one to really like get into like taking black people and putting them in into other genres that we haven't been yeah. which is why i feel like lovecraft country was so powerful because we were able to be in sci-fi and in mystery and in suspense and like we were the ones that were like winning and, <laughs> and not just that but put us in a time where racism was mm -hmm. Like you had media, so you had a TV. Mm -hmm. It was what in mm -hmm. the forties and fifties when like television and the news and the media mm -hmm. coverage, all of that was prominent. So things were documented. So yeah, you know we had all these videos and pictures. It it was like it was just insane. It was a time where slavery was over, but yet black people in America in particular were just it would the discrimination was disgusting and mm -hmm. I feel like your book gives that feel too you know what I mean because you have characters mm -hmm. actually you actually have characters oh my god guys she has some really really it like she she takes this boy from our current time and then she has characters black prominent characters from the 50s and 60s and it's in in this black utopia and it's just so cool how she brings them in and how important they are today mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and that's why i refer to lovecraft country because you know they were our superheroes right mm -hmm. and in in the black utopia that jazz paints that's exactly what they are you know yeah. what i mean and um it's just oh my gosh i feel like this is not just a a book for adults but i feel like little kids should read this book mm -hmm. um because it really is like it's just it's just brilliant like i i was blown away by it and i i couldn't believe it like it was just insane jazz like this was, it was so beautiful and you guys are gonna love it. So you named the main character in the book um, is a young boy and he is around what, 16, 17? Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. And I love that you named him Genesis. I think that's mm -hmm. such a fitting name for the character. What made you name him Genesis? So I, that, that was another thing that kind of just like downloaded into my brain but wow. I just felt like I've always loved the name Genesis um like growing up like going to bible study and we were supposed to always like learn all the names of the the bible and I would always just get to the fifth book which was Deuteronomy mm -hmm. and I always loved saying Genesis and Deuteronomy and <laughs> I love, and Deuteronomy is not really a good name. So I was like, okay, Genesis. And <laughs> it means, you know, the beginning, the start. It's the first 
um, book that you see in the Bible. And I just wanted him to represent um, the beginning of something. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. And he totally did. He was so creative and such a cool character in the book. Like you, you really made people fall in love with this character. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. That makes me happy. And then how do you identify with the character Genesis and the rest of the characters in a book? Because when I was reading this, knowing you, I feel mm-hmm. like it was a little of you sprinkled in all the characters, especially Genesis, but yeah. in all the characters. So could you let us know how you identify with Genesis and all the characters, including his parents and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, Genesis, like... It's crazy because you know how you get, like, attached to characters, like, in movies Mm -hmm. or in games or books. Like, I became so attached to Genesis, and I would literally, like, see him in my dreams. And I would, like, go to the Black Utopia while I was writing the novella. Like, the experience of writing it was just such, like, a a euphoric type of feeling, you know? Like, you definitely get, like, a natural high when you are able to like get your vision out and so um i felt like for me genesis was an artist and he was working to get into an artist fellowship and when i was in high school i was in choir and i was in advanced theater and i was in any art class that i could take and I excelled in all of my writing classes and like that's where my focus was Mm -hmm. but art is not something that is put onto kids to do for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. so I wanted to give Genesis that that confidence of knowing that art is what he wanted to do but at the same time the vulnerability of not thinking that he's good enough to do it Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I relate to him in that sense. And I also relate to him in his Genesis is just like a good, a good boy. Like, you know, like he wants to like please his parents. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to put, make sure that the people who he's around, like he's impacting them in like a positive way. Mm -hmm. And that is what I strive to do. So I feel like those were the biggest um, attributes that I gave Genesis from myself. Awesome. Yeah, he was such a good boy. And like throughout Mm -hmm. the whole book, I was like holding my breath. Like, I don't want to give the story away, but I was holding my breath because I'm like, he's just such a good boy, you know, Mm -hmm. and his friend Mm -hmm. too. Like they were such good boys, just, Mm -hmm. just you know, being friends in a good neighborhood, come from good parents, Mm -hmm. and was just caught up in being in Florida, Mm -hmm. where it's a lot of racism going on. And Mm -hmm. also, it's it's a reason why you um, place these characters in Florida and creatures. When you read the book, you'll see why, but um, it's just so much messed up stuff that is going on in Florida. Like all the time, always, like and just always, always. So much racism. Yeah, you, you have to think it's still the South. People don't get that, mm-hmm. and people are mm-hmm. still into those old um, traditional racist ways down there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really unfortunate. The main events take place in Miami, Florida. Explain why it was important to set these events in Florida. In Miami, Florida. Yes. So, um, I everyone knows, and especially if you're like from the Midwest or um, the East Coast, that Florida is just like a spot that everyone has been to mm-hmm. at one point or another in their life. Is and especially Orlando and Miami, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because everywhere you go in Florida is still like its own little pocket of like different vibe and the the vibe is always like not like crazy is in the air but it's like crazy is in the air yeah um 
And then Miami, I I love Miami. I think that Miami is so much fun. I think I love, you know, going there to have a good party situation. I love swimming in the ocean. But as much as I love Miami, I know that I can never live in Miami because mm -hmm. of all that goes on there. But the beautiful thing that I love about Miami is that there's so many different cultures there that, that are speaking their language. Mm -hmm. So you can hear Spanish over here and then hear some Patois over here and then hear someone speaking in some African language over there, you know? So I like that it's a melting pot of black and brown people mm -hmm. and that they live so closely together because I've always said if I wasn't going to marry a black man, I was going to marry a Spanish man. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, thought that it was necessary to show that brotherhood and that likeness between Spanish descent and African descent people. Right. Yeah, because mm -hmm. his friend is uh, is his friend Cuban. I don't think you actually he's, say He's just of Spanish Spanish speaking so he can be Cuban, he can be Latin, he can be South American. Mm -hmm. He's just of Spanish descent. Awesome. So discuss the relation between Genesis living in Florida and the correlation between between himself and Trayvon Martin. Because throughout the book, before he even went to the Black Utopia, I had already had that story in my head about Trayvon Martin mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. it's a place in Florida and mm -hmm. it was very similar the, the mm -hmm. two um, situations. So explain yeah. the relationship between the two. Yes. So um, Genesis, I, Genesis in the book and in my mind and just in general is a dark, dark, dark skin black boy. He's a dark skinned black boy with locks, which is another reason why I wanted to be in Florida because in Florida they're very heavy on locks and freeform locks. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of Haitians in Miami as well and they're typically darker skinned. Mm -hmm. And um Genesis is a young black boy who is just minding his own business, essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I felt the same way about Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. He was minding his own business. He was a young black man with his whole future ahead of him. And for no reason at all, he was gunned down. And I wanted to have Trayvon be such a pivotal part in the book along with the influential black leaders because it just was so disgusting to me that George Zimmerman was able to get off on killing that young man and at the fact that he was able to then like like you know he was selling signed bags of Skittles on eBay and like <sighs> He sold the gun that he shot Tray Trayvon with for like millions of dollars and just a bunch of like disgusting things that could only happen in Florida. And also George Zimmerman was, of, I'm pretty sure he was of like Spanish descent. Like he wasn't white, like he was a colored of some sort. Yeah. And... I thought that was also interesting. Like, why would you kill someone who has the same type of struggles as you? And I wanted also for Trayvon, because he had been through what Genesis went through, he could be a guy to be closer to him mm -hmm. versus the other leaders that are essentially elders to him. Trayvon is a peer. Right. Wow, I did not know he... That's disgusting. Thick, thick. Describe the relationship between Genesis and his best friend, Carlos. I thought that their relationship was such a nice relationship. It's so... Mm -hmm. Just reminds you of being a teenager and, mm -hmm. you know, having your friends back no matter what and... Mm -hmm. And they were, they both were just really good friends to each other. Um, mm -hmm. Also, described a relationship between 
them both and the neighborhood they lived in versus the police but you can start off with um the relationship between genesis and carlos his best friend okay um so the relationship between genesis and carlos was definitely pulled from some of like my best friends and like the relationships that we have mm-hmm. i feel like friendship is such a a sacred relationship because unlike a family relationship or a romantic relationship you guys don't have any like real stake to like be around each other besides the fact that you want to be around each other you know what i'm saying that's so true it's like you're not forced you know at all you know like i'm here because like i really want to be like you genuine so that you know a friendships may be the most purest Mm-hmm. relationships because mm-hmm. there's no nothing mm-hmm. yeah yep. never thought about that yeah so with that I just and like growing up like I had just so many guy cousins and you know we have like all of our brothers and stuff like that and like the guy friendship is like also a different type of friendship than girls because they're they act like kids like no matter what age that mm-hmm. they are when you get a um a male around their friends they're gonna get giggly they're gonna get goofy they're gonna you know be pe- telling jokes and i wanted for carlos to be that side of genesis that's like rah-rah because carlos is very like um, gung-ho like if you had to compare them between like Martin and Malcolm Carlos would be more of a by any means necessary type of person <laughs> and Genesis is like the peaceful route you know yeah. so they I were like total to- total opposites yes but at the same time like both of them can understand where each other is coming from mm-hmm. but they feel like their method is going to get there get them there faster right and then the relationship between the both the both of them and then mm-hmm. their peers in a neighborhood like the the way you described them it was a very like close and tight-knit community mm-hmm. that they lived mm-hmm. in really cool like mom and pops great neighborhood mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. everyone knew each other and looked out for each other so yes. describe that versus the police mm-hmm. that would come throughout their neighborhoods and bully them around yes so growing up in Detroit Michigan it um, we were very close knit you know like I could if the neighbor down the street told me not to ride my bike on her lawn, I knew I better not ride my bike on her lawn because she could easily come down and tell my mama and then I could get in trouble. <laughs> or, you know, like the people who I grew up with, my mom also grew up with them because they went to the same high school and the same middle schools, you know. Mm-hmm. And just growing up in in Detroit, I felt always like a sense of home wherever I was at Mm -hmm. which was a beautiful feeling and even though I lived in Detroit I went to school in Warren Mm -hmm. which is a a suburb of Detroit and I remember being in middle school so this is like uh, 11 12 13 and every year on the last day of school the police would be on our grounds like making sure they like escort us off like harassing us like telling us to like just like being weird like I really don't know what their purpose was but this is just something that they did on a on a regular basis and it was always so bizarre to me and I I wouldn't necessarily like be scared because I was always with like a group of kids Mm -hmm. and the other kids would do the talking but I just always remember being like confused on why they were saying anything to us when for one we were children and for two we weren't doing anything right Just so I think that's where both of those came from yeah it's Michigan is also I feel like a red zone for racist police you go Mm -hmm. a little 
up north it's even worse i had friends that stayed and went to school to like michigan state and all the schools that are located in michigan Mm-hmm. and the suburbs and they had some horror stories about the police stopping them and like harassing them and it's just just horrible horrible mm-hmm. especially you think you know we're in the north you think that things would be a little different but you get those small towns where people are just racist mm-hmm. um yeah and also, I think because we grew up in Detroit, we all you see is black people. So right. when you go somewhere else that's just a half hour out of the city and you're looking around like, okay, I'm the only one of my mind kind it's out bizarre. this way. It's like, and they don't want me here. Yeah. And I remember when we moved out to the suburbs from Detroit. Like, I remember going to high school and I was the only black girl in my class. Mm-hmm. And how they looked at me like an alien. And I remember mm-hmm. one of the teachers telling, she actually prepared the students because I came in at like the end of eighth grade, super awkward. And it was like the last two months before eighth grade was over. So I was going into high school. And um, the teacher, prepared the students for the new kid and was like she's from Detroit and I guess was like basically warning them like she didn't know if I was gonna be like this like I don't know rude like mean black girl from the city with an attitude you know the stereotypes Mm -hmm. so they were being prepared just in case I was like crazy or something Mm-hmm. And a girl told me this, and I was just like, "What?" And I'm, and then I get there, and I'm like, "No wonder why they were always looking at me like I was crazy because I was super quiet and like polite." The teacher had already groomed them into thinking like I was supposed to be this like violent girl from the urban city of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Wow, that's." that's that's nice so um right yeah and again that was what only like 30 minutes away from the city mm-hmm. and we're girls so exactly. imagine like what the men go through see i had double thoughts about that because okay. going to high school i feel like the boys had it so much easier because the girls love boy the black boys True, true. So they had it so much easier. I feel like the black girls going to an all-white school had it the worst because, (laughs) first of all, I can't even describe it. Like, dating, yeah, that was pretty much much not happening in high school. It was just the weirdest thing because it was just different for black girls. Like, if a white boy liked a black girl, he was too scared to approach her, too intimidated. But with the black girl, with the black boys, no, they had no no problem with dating outside the race. Mm-mm. Um, so yeah, I feel like as far as like in school, maybe not so much. But I I do feel that um, black boys had it hard like just being out being a regular civilian like walking to the store and you know getting stopped by the police i feel like the police picked on black boys more than they did girls and if they did pick on girls then that was a really scary thing because you know usually it was something um sexually oriented like harassing them or trying to like search them and doing some inappropriate things like that but for yeah. the most part, I feel like they would target the young black boys. Definitely. Discuss what the beautiful Blacktopia is. Yeah, so um, the Black Utopia is just a, a beautiful place where you can have basically what whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
like there is it's split up into different sections so if you want to live in a tropical area in a beach bungalow or build a tree house like you can do that or if you want to live in a beautiful metropolitan city like a Chicago or Detroit or New York or um, uh, LA like you can do that or if you want to be in a high tech type of area like a Dubai or a Tokyo or something like that you can do that and I wanted um, it to be able to be split up into different type of lands because another thing that Black people have to worry about is where we are traveling mm-hmm. because there is a lot of places where we are not welcome. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Black people that stay in predominantly Black areas that don't ever leave that area because they are worried about being harassed by this, this, and that. So... The people who go to the Black Utopia are people who have been um, marginalized by a systematic racism. So I wanted for people who haven't been outside of their little city to be able to experience these other parts of the world. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And every night, everyone has dinner together. And I feel like that's very important for everyone to have dinner together as a Black family. Exactly. And just to give a little, just a little snippet also of what Blacktopia is and, and what Genesis was doing there is he had a traumatic situation happen and basically Mm -hmm. he was, and so many, so many words teleported to this dreamlike state. And inside that state is where Blacktopia is located. So um, for the most part, most of the the story that's, or most of the book, that's where he is. He's in Blacktopia and he is doing all these amazing things. And it's basically in his subconscious and he's there. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. there to learn a lesson and to bring it back to reality. Um, yeah. So then within Blacktopia, Jazz put these beautiful characters that we all know of. So Jazz, besides those really important characters in Blacktopia, mm-hmm. discuss this character who is such a pain in the ass, Darrell. <laughs> Like, I did not like him. And you know what? We run into these type of people in real life mm-hmm. all the time. Literally yeah. all the time. And and not even, like, even if his attitude wasn't about, like, what it was about. Like, just him in general. He's that type of person at a job that wants mm-hmm. to, you know, it's just ill. He was mm-hmm. a horrible character. And... The way you described him was amazing. So go into detail of who his character was and what his problem was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Darnell is a very interesting character. When I was thinking of like who was going to be the quote-unquote villain throughout, I always appreciate in the storyline like when there is the bad guy but you understand why they are the way they are that doesn't make it right but you just understand like why they feel the way that they do Mm -hmm. so in the story Darnell is um, he's mixed he's mulatto he's biracial he is whatever you want to call him he is black and white Mm -hmm. and some mixed people some biracial people you don't you wouldn't know that they were white unless you told them you know what I'm saying and I wanted for Darnell to be one of those ones that like off off rip you looking at him he looks like a light-skinned black man Mm -hmm. and it's not until he opens up his mouth and you hear his rhetoric that you know that he is not (laughs) Uh, he does not identify with his black side at all Darnell is 
the black man that seeks out and only wants to date women of another race than black people. And it's not because he has a quote unquote preference or that's who he fell for in the moment. He's doing that because he thinks that a white woman will get him into more doors. He thinks that having white children will give them a better life than what he had. He thinks that black is lower and white is right. (laughs) So I wanted him to be a a self-hating black man, but because he was raised by his white mother who didn't give him the tools to be a black man in America. Mm. And I feel like that is a, an issue with a lot of mixed children mm-hmm. that they can sometimes feel lost, especially when it is the white mom and black dad um, situation. Yeah. And I don't want to say that this is the case in all situations, but Darnell is based off of biracial men that I know and their personalities and how they perceive themselves and other people around them. So this is just from my observation and from my observation, white women aren't aren't equipped to raise black children on their own, especially when the black dad isn't in the life. So they don't have any any sense of identity already as African-American people. We have identity issues because we don't know where we come from. Right. So off rip let alone you don't know your black side of your family and you only know your white side and they they aren't really fully accepting you and then a lot of times with mixed people the black side doesn't want to accept them because they're like oh you're white and this side's like oh you're black and they're kind of somewhere lost in the middle yeah so although was did feel the way that he feels it wasn't his fault right Yeah, that that's so true. Like I said, we definitely that that character, his attitude, whether it's with race or anything, like you get you deal with people like that all the time. That just wants mm-hmm. want to um, they need to feel superior, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. They take something that they feel like they can one-up someone on mm-hmm. to have some type of status because of an insecurity, not knowing that it's a part of them. So it, mm-hmm. it's just, a, it's a lot of self-hate and then mm-hmm. they project it on other people that are mm-hmm. comfortable within their skin, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so his character was really interesting and the way you you described him was just on point and the ending of the the ending of the story is so beautiful describe in a little detail without giving too much away how carlos makes sure he gets justice for his friend in the end um yes yeah, so carlos is the friend that you will always want on your team mm-hmm. because although he is rara and he is ready to get things popping at the drop of a dime he is also ready to defend and avenge and keep the honor alive of the people who he cares about mm-hmm. so the incident that puts car that puts genesis into the black utopia carlos makes sure that he goes after the person responsible and regardless of if he is right in what he is doing or he is wrong in what he is doing all he knows is that my brother is not here with me right now and you are the reason why so now I'm going to do something about what you did (laughs) so he is a ride or die type of friend and Carlos made sure that he ride rid so that Genesis would not have to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ending was um it was one of those like it was heroic and also sad at the same time because mm-hmm. you know never celebrate someone dying, but at the same time it's like you 
you almost killed someone mm -hmm. an innocent person for just being racist and not just an mm -hmm. innocent person but a young boy that mm -hmm. has so much potential and so much to live for just because you're hiding behind a badge and you're racist in America so with that being said please guys please go out and get this book it is called the blackout by jasmine graham you can get it on amazon you can get a kindle form you can get it hardcover it's such a beautiful book so with closing every episode where i get to interview a very talented author that's mm -hmm. soon to be best-selling author yeah um why is this book so important for people to read? And what can we learn from reading this beautiful book? Yes, so I feel that this book is so important because when I was in middle and high school, we would read books like The Outsiders or Ooh. The Lord of the Flies. Yeah or the odyssey you know like coming to age type of stories and whenever we would read them i'm like this doesn't apply to my life or the life of my cousins or anybody else that i really know that looks like me and i wanted to open up the dialogue for young black men of no matter if you are mixed because you are still black if you are mixed or if you are fully black or even if you are of the Spanish or Mexican descent, any brown. I wanted any black and brown boy to be able to see themselves in this book and also for it to um, start a conversation on how they feel about the things that happen to men that look like them and how they can change it because you know, children are the future <laughs> and we need to teach them well so that they can lead the way. And I just wanted something that can live on after I'm here to help spark conversation and teach. Exactly. And this is such a good conversation piece. Yes. And it's yeah. just a beautiful book. And I, it's just breathtaking. And I'm so proud of my little sister. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm so proud of you. And this Thank book you. is amazing. This is her first book. When you guys read this, let me tell you, you would you would think she has written like a million books. Like it's it's one of the best books actually I've ever read Aww. before. Oh, thanks, <laughs> It Thank is. You. Like, you are so creative and so talented. Also, she's not just an author. Like, her photography is amazing, guys. So, I am going to list her links to her social medias so you guys can see the amazing work that she does and a link to her book. Like I said, it's in Kindle form and it's in on hardcover. So make sure you support her and I love you and I love this yes. book. And Thank I'm so you. happy I was able to close out Black History Month with having you on the show for a 23rd yes. episode called The Blackout by yes. Jasmine Graham. So thanks, Yay. sis. We did yes, it. Thank you for having me. I loved it. I loved it yes. so much. Yes. I'm so, I'm so happy we finally was able to do it. Me too. Me too. I can't wait to listen to it. And thank you again, Creepsters, for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Yes. I'm pretty sure you'll be on the show again. I Can yeah. you, can you do like a creepy book? Yes, I can. Yeah, I can definitely do like a mystery and suspense situation. Yeah, <laughs> let's do one of those too, Jazz. <laughs> Yes. So, like, do yeah, like, I'm gonna have you on for every book you do, but I love to see like what creative story you come up with for like a a suspense horror story. I will definitely be running it past you as my consultant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to. 
All right, <laughs> creepsters. So that was it for tonight. I hope you enjoyed listening to sister talk about her new book that she just released. She released this yeah. in October. So make sure you support her. Thank you, guys. Yes. Good night. Thank you. To find out more information about Jasmine Graham, please visit her website at stills2story.com. Her Instagram is at stills2stories.com. She also has a second Instagram called at underscore Jasmine Graham, and her Facebook is Jasmine Graham. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our first sponsor, Wellness by Willow. Wellness by Willow is a skincare line that provides organic, natural skincare. I had the pleasure of meeting with Willow, the founder of the company, and I was able to express to her some of my skin issues that I've been having since we were on lockdown, some really bad blemishes that I couldn't get rid of. And she was able to provide me with three different beautiful products of hers. They smell so good. So check her out guys. Wellness by Willow, that's her handle for her Instagram, also her Etsy shop, and her website is wellnessbywillow.com. Thank you Willow. Please send all listener stories to info at bdumpodcast.com.